بسم الله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى لسيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى لإبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى لمحمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى لإبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم ألهمنا مراشد أمورنا وأعذنا من شرور أنفسنا قال الله تبارك وتعالى أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم والتين والزيتون وطور سينين وهذا البلد الأمين صدق الله العظيم فراو سبيك أبوت مودني بياني لكشة يرغادث لك درس يتسي لسن in a darat there is no formality there is no need to follow one set of thought there is exploring different possibilities every one of us is well aware of the condition that the world has woken up to in the last few days many years ago i had this opportunity fortune to come across a kitab written by a very great scholar of islam he was the principal of darul ulum deoband one of the very famous principals Qari Muhammad Tayyib. Hazrat Qari Sahib was invited. At that time, it was the same Al-Aqsa issue. It was in those years that Al-Aqsa had been taken away from the Muslims. The ulama saw that era. And then there used to be many conferences in the lands of Sham itself, in the lands of Egypt. He was invited to one in Egypt to discuss the problems of the Muslim ummah and the roles that each country must play. And he gave a very unique lecture to the people of Egypt. So before explaining further to understand what is Egypt, what is Sham, today when we hear Egypt we think of our, the geography of today and the political cut-offs of today. So let's leave out the word Egypt and we leave out the word Syria. And we'll use a few names, we'll call one Misr. So Misr was the Egypt of the past, Misr. And that Misr will go from what we today know as Misr Cairo, going down, a lot of the land down. Then it will carry on Misr. So now this you'll have to understand with a map because we don't have Google in front of us. So understand Makkah Mukarrama is here. Medina Munawara is to the right of it. This is on one side of what we will call like the Red Sea. So the Red Sea goes in a triangle shape. And on the one side, on the right hand side of the Red Sea, you're going to have Makkah, Mukarramah, you're going to have Medina, Munawara, Al-Haya. And then as you're going to go up, go up, you'll come to a place called Madian also. Madian is where Musa wasalam, got married. That will be like at the north of Arabia. But that is all on this side. Passing Madian now, you're going to see this triangle, the Red Sea, the triangle ending. So this is known as the Gulf, the Gulf of Aqaba. This is where the tip is. It is most likely at the Gulf of Aqaba that Musa salam had to cross. And that's where Fir'aun drowned. So on this side, he's supposed to have gone around the top of the Gulf. He makes a small error in calculation. Almighty Allah makes it happen. He lands himself at the top of the Gulf. So there's an ocean there. It's a small ocean. It's the top. But he has to cross that ocean and that's where most likely Fir'aun would have drowned. And when he passes the Gulf, he lands up back into the lands of Madian. Once upon a time he got married. So again on the triangle on the right hand side we're going to have what is called the Arabian Peninsula. 
The Sulbi Makkah Mukarramah, Medina Munawara at the bottom as you're going up, up, up. Right at the top you're going to see Madian. If you don't know Madian, I'm sure you all know something called Neom. Neom is known as the city of the future. So Neom is being built where Madian is. So around the place of Madian, that's where they decided to build the city of the future, Neom. Now when you're going to turn around the Gulf, the tip of Aqaba, that's how Musa salam was now wanting to go to Egypt. So from Madian he goes to the tip, he crosses over the tip, and he will... This entire area now is called the land to Misr, or the road to Misr. So walking on this road he will carry on, carry on, carry on, carry on, and that's how you will end up into what is known as the land of Firaun, Misr. And that's where Musa salam's mother was, that's where he went back and he gave his da'wah. That's where he lived with the Bani Israel for many, many years. So now we have done Misr, we have done Arabia. Now it's one left Sham. If you're going upwards, so you got your Makkah, Mukarramah, Medina, Munawwara, then you come to Madian, then you pass by the top of the Gulf of Aqaba. Instead of turning left and carry on with the road towards Misr, if you go further up, if you carry on north, 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 now you will enter into the lands of Sham. So we understood three lands. The land of Sham, the land of Arabia, and the land of Misr. Musa wassalam, in his own life he was not given that opportunity to enter into the lands of Sham itself. He wanted, he was told, go and take over Al-Aqsa. But the Bani Israel itself, they were cowards at that moment, they were not ready for the fight. So Almighty Allah made it that the Bani Israel continued moving in a place of nowhere. Yatihuna fil ard, arba'ina sana. For 40 years they went nowhere. They were in a closed off area, but it was not closed off at all. But wherever they moved, Almighty Allah would make it so to say the earth would move with them. So they understood that we are locked up. We're going to try and get out of this place. We're not getting out at all. And they remained in this area. And it's an amazing thing to think about for 40 years. How do you survive in a place where there's nothing? Because you can't go anywhere. Almighty Allah in this place, He would send for them. Whatever was needed came to them. Even clothing. Their clothing was written in the books. Whatever clothing would be made according to the growing up of the child, the clothing would also expand. They saw a lot of miracles during this time. Their food would come, heavenly food would come. Almighty Allah looked after them, but at the same time it was a punishment for them. That you are not at the moment the ones who are ready to fight for this land, so you rather go nowhere. And for 40 years they went nowhere. Musa passed away in this time. And after Musa salam, Harun salam had passed away before that, Musa salam passed away. The Khadim of Nabi Musa salam, Nabi Yusha salam, he started the jihad now. So in Nabi starting a jihad was no issue. It was the people around the Nabi. That Allah wanted a new generation to be made. And when that generation was made after 40 years, now it was a new jamaat. And then he started. Dawood was going to come years later, years later. So the final conquest never took place on the hands of Nabi Yusha but the beginning started. Where he started now entering into the lands of the Amalika. They were a very strong nation. They were so huge in size that when the Bani Israel saw them, although they were told that you just have to go into the land and Allah will defeat your enemy. But when someone of the Bani Israel went and saw the Amalika, he was gripped with so much of fear. 
So he came back and he told his people that one of these people will take ten of us. And the Bani Israel refused. So they said, فَذْهَبْ أَنْتَ وَرَبُّكْ فَقَاتِلَا That, O oh Musa, you and your Allah go and fight. إِنَّا هَاهُنَا قَاعِدُونَ We're going to sit here and wait. If you win the battle, then we will come into that land. Otherwise, although they had came out from the slavery of Firaun, they saw the destruction of Firaun miracle. Musa salam took them, they could have lived in the lands of Madian. But Almighty Allah said, I have chosen a land for you, full of blessings, but you have to be ready to fight. They were not ready to fight for it, they were not fit for it. Some ulama mentioned the reason why they grew up in slavery. They grew up under Fir'aun's rule. There were many of them, but none of them ever fought Fir'aun. None of them. They understood when they grew up, we are born to serve. So they were not fighters, they were not active, they never thought we could do anything. Their numbers were huge, but they were all slaves. So that generation was never going to have that jazbah to be able to take the step forward, that courage. So, so far we have understood that. Gaza, where does Gaza fall? So in the maps of the past, Gaza was not the land of Sham, although today we will say Aqsa and Gaza. So Gaza falls in the land of Misr. Gaza is Misr. So now we are speaking of three, Sham, and Sham, center of Sham is Aqsa. Then we will speak of Misr, and the main part of Misr is Gaza, for our conditions today. And then is one is called the lands of Arabia. Qari Muhammad Tayyab Sahib went to Egypt at that time and he spoke to the people to explain to the people of Egypt that Allah has made the people of Misr and Misr here he referred to more than what we call Cairo but the people of Gaza. He said Allah has made the people of Misr the Muhafiz. He has made them the guards of the land of Al-Aqsa. And then he gave a very detailed lecture about why they are the Muhafiz. He mentioned a hadith, we are not going to go into that detail. So this kitab was known as muqamat muqaddasa And it's a very unique book. After his lecture, then he started penning it down. For about 10 years, his thoughts on this issue he wrote. So he created about, about 700, 800 page book. And the amazing thing of this book also is he never numbered it nicely. Page 1, page 2. Because it was thoughts. Some would have numbers, but then when you have a thought, this thought must go in that page. So it was all in his mind. And he would put it in the different places, maybe, no one knows. And then when he passed away, the book it seemed was completed, but he never ever had time to give it to somebody to publish. So in the room that he was, when people came in and his janaza was taken out, that whole, all those papers were mixed up. And for a very long time they were left. When people found it, they understood 10 years of effort, we have to get work. So they had to find an alim who first had to read through that whole thing. Think of this here. This is not Google or chat GPT. You just feed it and say, work it out for me. You have to read this. After reading it, you have to know which page comes where. Imagine you're reading something and you're wondering, like, what does this mean now? Because this is at the end of the book story. So he read that whole thing and then with his mind he was able to... So what a work. So you can understand the value of this book. And then that book was published very hard. When I wrote, read that book, then this book we compiled at that time, The Secrets of the Holy Lands. So this is like the very short version of that book. One of the main points that he made in that book, which I really enjoyed at that time, was he explained something which is known as Tajalli. Tajalli means a waterfall of Almighty Allah that falls on different areas. 
And he's going to speak very little on this year. I gave a lecture at that time. Many people who went for Umrah. Nowadays we also advise them. So we have something called a, a website, Spiritual Light. On the Spiritual Light website, on the audio section, there's one folder called Holy Lands. So in that Holy Lands, one bayan a day is called the Secret of the Holy Lands. Why we tell people to read it, listen to it, is it will give you a different idea when you will go for Umrah or Hajj. How you will view the Kaaba, you will see the Tawaf, you will see the Safa Marwa. So he explained that Almighty Allah in this world, and this is the thing that was given to this Ummah. A power which we can't see is a waterfall from Almighty Allah. It falls on different lands. And all the lands that it falls on, Allah gave it to us. Four lands, this waterfall, in a big manner, a unique manner has fallen. Three continuous, and one is going to speak about which was a once-off. Three continuous, the first waterfall of Almighty Allah, continuous. From the beginning of creation, till the last. Even when the Kaabatullah will be lifted, and there will be no Kaabatullah, until that moment Allah's focus has remained on that spot and will remain. So few times in history the house of Allah, the building itself went away. But being the Kaaba, that never went away. So Nuh salam's floods would even come, but that place would remain its unique place. Nuh salam had the chance, he made tawaf of the Baytullah on boat. So his boat made tawaf of the Baytullah. Ibrahim salam would come later on again, he would mark the exact, now they knew the Baytullah is in this area, but the exact spot of how big the Baytullah goes. So this point, whether the building is there or not there, makes no difference. It remains a focus of Allah's special waterfall, we will use the word tajalli. From the beginning of time, and it will go right till the ending, when Almighty Allah will then lift up the spot. When the spot is now lifted, meaning no tajalli will fall, then this world will no longer be worth it, and Qiyamah will come after. But before that, Almighty Allah will lift up His gaze from here, so it won't be a building that will be destroyed, Baytullah itself will disappear. It will no longer have the honor of being the house of Allah. Allah's gaze will be lifted from Quran, and it comes in the Ahadith, people will wake up, and if there was a book there, there will be nothing in the book. So you can understand our Quran also is, although it's written in ink, but there is something in that ink which is a miracle. Which we cannot understand, but if that thing has to lift, then even the ink will go with it. So a day will come where this world will have no Quran, and it will have no Baytullah. At that time there will be no value to this world, and the world will then be wrapped up. But until then, that continuous waterfall. The first waterfall is known as the waterfall of beauty. The beauty of Almighty Allah was meant to manifest itself on the house of Allah. It falls. We do not see that beauty with our eye. We only see a building. But ask any person who has gone for Umrah or Hajj, what was your first impression when you saw the Kaaba? He will say, I cried. Or I felt like crying. Even a non-Muslim, you ask them, what happened? They said, I read Kalima. They said, what did you see there? They say, we don't know, but it was amazing. That we don't know, but it was amazing is what we all see. We are seeing some brilliance. We are feeling some brilliance that makes people lovers. The demand of love is that a lover behaves like a lover.
You do anything for your beloved. So when you will enter that land, there's no shan, there's no show. You can be a king also, you are now a lover. A lover will dress up how his beloved wants to see him. Even if he's told, don't put on perfume, he'll say, no perfume. If he'll say, take out your normal clothes, put on a ihram, he'll say, I'll do it. If he's told, go around the Baytullah seven times, he'll say, I don't know what I'm doing, say, it doesn't matter. The demand of love is, you leave all your shan, your servants, your awe, your luxury, and you just go around. Make yourself tired, this is love. And the man makes himself tired. He won't question it at all. He can be a lawyer in his town. There he got his sandals. He got that hard sandal which only comes on the one toe. He'll never wear that in this country. You see, disgrace for my feet. But when he goes there, he's wearing that chumpel, that go tick tick. Why he's doing it? Love. Then he'll go, Safa Marwa, you'll see he's tired. But in that day, he can't say, where's my Lamborghini? Where's my jet? Where's my bike? Now he's the lover. He just walks. He will become tired, he'll cut his hair, it's all love. The next day he is so tired, you ask him, now you want to go rest? He said, I want to go back to the house of Allah. This is love. The demand of love was the land of Makkah, Mukarramah, was meant to always be very far from politics, very far from kingship, very far from shan and awe, very far from luxury, it's more like a cave. It is called the test of love. You're not going to come back to this point, so we'll just end on this. That is why the effort of the shaitani world in Makkah Mukarramah will always be to create such an environment as though this is a land of luxury. So everything around it in the last what we will call 20 or 30 years and now when you will go in a very big manner, you will see entertainment, luxury, enjoyment, relaxing. They will bring everything in it to try to take away this cave. But Allah's tajalli is such that no matter how much of effort will be made in this land, when a person reaches there, he can get the best hotel the world can provide. He will take a bath in that hotel, but his mind is, I want to go to the house of Allah. He will still put on that same ihram. And he will still go like a lover. And no matter how much of effort they make, the luxuries of that land will always collapse. And this man, you will find him sitting and looking at the house of Allah. After the salah, if you see a group going out, you will see a group remaining behind. It will keep its shan of being the cave of the lovers, no matter what they will do. A second tajalli of Almighty Allah waterfall was called the waterfall of Jalal. Jalal means awe, ro'ab. Jalal means the shan of the king. Allah to show his jalal, his might and his awe shows the land of Al-Aqsa. And in Al-Aqsa, Masjid Al-Aqsa and the surrounding lands, Barakna Hawlahu. This land was meant to be the land from which you rule the world. Sulaiman alayhi salatu wasalam ruled from here. When the Roman had their empire, they wished they could rule the whole world. So they settled down here in the lands of Sham. That is where Sahaba radiallahu had to kick them out and took over. Nabi sallallahu alayhi said, I saw the pillars of Islam Almighty Allah established it in the lands of Sham. Sahaba radiallahu said, in the time of fitan and trials, what must we do? He said, alaykum bisham. Go to the lands of Sham. He said, there you will find the selected of Almighty Allah. The Mahdi when he comes, his markas will be in the lands of Sham. Dimish, Damascus, and Al-Aqsa and everything around Al-Aqsa. This land was meant as the land of awe. In present day time, People who live in this land, Almighty Allah gives them a certain shan. He gives them a shan that I'm not scared. 
I'm not scared. So if you want to see the shan, go to the land. And you will see fear in the eyes of the enemy. And you will see a unique level of rob and awe in the eyes of the people who live in that land. That I am not mar'oob in awe of you, you are rather in awe of me. Allah gave the people of this land something, they got no weapons. But they just have to walk and you will see the enemy start shivering. You see everyone looking back. Allah gave the people of this land that ability to be born rulers. That I'm not the slave of anyone, I am born to be a king. So no matter how much effort they have made over the years to break the people of this land, you will find day by day Allah creates such a shan in these people, for them they mock these people. A small boy will mock that big person. He can have the best weapon, he can have his stone. But he's a king and that's a slave for him. And it will remain like that. Until Allah makes his decision. So that is the land of Al-Aqsa. That the jelly falls and it will continue falling. And the people of Islam, the Ummah will continue enjoying that the jelly. So we will enjoy one of the Baytullah Kaaba. We will be lovers of Almighty Allah. No one else in the world can be lovers like us. A Christian, very far he went from Allah. He fell so much in love with Nabi Isa salam that he forgot Allah completely. So when he prays, he'll praise to what he will say, Jesus. He will say, Jesus sacrificed, Jesus did, Jesus died. Everything Jesus. Who's your savior? Jesus. Who you pray to? Jesus. We'll say, what about Jesus, creator? Then he'll say, I don't know much about him. I think he's Jesus also. That's how he'll end it off. Everything for him became Jesus. Because he was not blessed to become the lover of Allah. So he could not understand, we are blessed that we love Allah's Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because man can love man very easy. Al-jins yamilu il al-jins. A nature links to its own nature. So to fall in love with a person is very easy. But to fall in love with one who is not of you, one who is beyond your understanding, one who you cannot see, you cannot understand, the people of this ummah were blessed with that. That when it falls on the Kaaba, a natural love of Almighty Allah comes in our people. And if you ask a person, you dying, for who you dying? You say, I'm dying for Allah. You never saw, you never understood, you never linked. But how did that love enter? It falls onto the house of Allah. And from the house of Allah, it spreads in the world. It hits the people who are making tawaf. It hits the person who's looking at the Kaaba. It hits the person who's far away and he says, Allahu Akbar, and he faces the Kaaba. Allah Tabarukullah sends that love into the hearts of believers. Then there is that tajalli which falls on Al-Aqsa. The Ummah was also going to be blessed with this year. It would be hitting the people who would go to Al-Aqsa. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he invites his Ummah to come to Makkah Mukarramah, because there's something in, this, in Makkah Mukarramah, it is that splash. There is something in Medina Munawwara, there is a splash. There is something in Al-Aqsa. Nabi ﷺ spoke about the value of a salah in Masjid Al-Haram. He spoke about the value of Medina Munawwara. He said one salah in Medina Munawwara is a thousand times better than a salah anywhere else in the world. Except Makkah Mukarramah. Then he said Makkah Mukarramah, one salah there will be a hundred times even greater than salah in my masjid. He spoke about Masjid Al-Aqsa. He said, Ardul Mahshar wal Manshar. This is the land of resurrection. Go to it and perform salah in it. 
He said one salah in this masjid will be like a thousand salah anywhere else. His wife radiallahu anha asked, what if I can't go to Al-Aqsa? So if I can't go there, how do I benefit? Like in, from Masjid Al-Haram, we say Allahu Akbar. As soon as we say Allahu Akbar, then Allah Tabarukallah's love that falls on the Baytullah finds every Musalli in the world. It's like you connected. That is why we have love for Allah and we can die for our Allah. And the more you will focus in your salah, the more you will see this love will be created. But what about Al-Aqsa? To get that, that I'm born to be a king. I'm not a slave of anyone else. I am the man who everyone is in awe of me. I'm in awe of none. How do we pull that from Al-Aqsa? So she asked, what if I can't go to Al-Aqsa? He said, if you can't go, then send Hadaya to Aqsa. He said, send the Hadiyah of olive oil. Remember, land of Al-Aqsa, Sham was known as the land of Shajara, Mubaraka, Zaytuna. This was the land of the olive tree. So if you got the olive tree, you got enough olive oil. So an explanation of this narration is, even if you feel they already got something, send to the land, not because the land needs it, it's because you need to send something. So even if it's something so small like olive oil, which they got enough, that's one. Another possibility of this narration, and from here you understand what knowledge how Allah's Nabi gave indications, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to the future. There was an indication a time will come in the land of Masjid al-Aqsa, that despite being surrounded by the olive tree, the people of Masjid al-Aqsa will not have the chance to even benefit from the olive themselves. He said, a time comes if the masjid needs olive oil to light its lanterns, then you send it to them. He said, whoever will do something like that, فَمَنْ فَعَلَ ذَلِكَ فَهُوَ كَمَنْ أَتَى Whoever will do something like this, it's like he went and visited it himself. There was an indication a day will come where Aqsa will need the help of the world. So at that time, do not think the masjid is in need. Understand, you need to give the masjid. However, what's the benefit of giving it to an organization if you don't know how it goes there? The best in our time will be people and groups. And to a great extent, the people of South Africa really shone in this. That for a great time where no one was visiting Al-Aqsa, things have now changed. People of this country went and they stayed. And many of them tried this year, they put on the ihram from Al-Aqsa, which is not an easy thing. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, whoever will tie his ihram for either hajj or umrah from Masjid Al-Aqsa, and then he will go to the haram, whatever errors of his in the past will be forgiven. Whatever is going to happen in the future, Allah will forgive it. Ulama have written, Allah will forgive it in the future means that if he makes an error, he is promised Allah will immediately make him wake up to it. He'll never die with sin on him. He tied his ihram from Al-Aqsa and he went. Another narration, Kana an bihi. He will be from his sons like the day his mother gave birth to him. So there was something in that land that you go there. A man who goes there, Allah's waterfall falls on Makkah Mukarramah, continuous. It falls on Medina Munawwara on the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There's no time to discuss that one. In this book, Secrets of the Holy Lands, it's discussed. In the Bayan, it's discussed. It falls on Al-Aqsa. If a man ties his ihram, ihram is when you now pure. If a man ties his ihram in Al-Aqsa and he gets one splash of that, and what that day he goes into the haram, Makkah, Mukarramah, 
and again he gets a splash of it and he's still in his ihram. Now you come out of ihram and you're like a baby. You're just born. You got no son. And in that condition now you go to Medina Munawara. Now you're just going to get another shot of what we'll call like itar on top. You took your husal, you got your itar. When that man comes back from this journey, he has journeyed through three waterfalls of greatness. This man is a unique person. This power Allah gave to the people of this ummah. Nobody else can walk in that. The Jews perhaps can come to Al-Aqsa. But when they will come in Al-Aqsa, that waterfall is not going to fall in their hearts. They are not meant for that land. They are not going to get that first waterfall. They are not going to get a chance to go. Nowadays some of them quietly are entering Medina Munawara. But the waterfall that falls doesn't hit everyone. It hits that person whose heart is open to Iman. Three powers were left for the people of this Ummah. Allah Taala grant us all the chance to get all three of us. Now we will come to what is called Gaza. So in his kitab, Nawqari Muhammad Tayyab Sahib Rahimullah explains of an incident. It got to do with Mount Tur. Because when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam spoke about these three masjids, he spoke about many great virtues. The virtues about these three masjids in reward for Salah. And the virtue of these three masjids when a person passes away here, how they will be forgiven in these three lands. And the virtue of this year when Hashar will take place, the people of Medina will stand first, the people of Makkah will stand first, the people of Al-Aqsa will stand first. Everywhere he spoke about, he said, La tushaddur rihal, don't ever make a journey to any place, any masjid except three masjids. He always brought the three together. But when he spoke about Dajjal, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned, Dajjal himself when he met with a sahabi, he said to the Sahabi, there will be two lands I will never be able to enter. Two lands. Makkah, Mukarrama, Medina, Munawara. He says, Almighty Allah will establish angels who will just stand. And I will not take the chance of going. He only mentioned two. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned another two. Why did the Jan never mention this? Either he doesn't know about it or he doesn't want to accept it. One of the two. And you will notice these two, Makkah, Mukarrama, Medina, Munawara. At the moment we are not seeing the man himself, the liar, the jal himself. But we are seeing an entire pyramid that operates under him. This entire pyramid from the day the word heard, the word Illuminati, Renaissance, Freemasons. From that day, long before that, from the day crusade started, the first crusade, this pyramid was being made. From the day the renaissance was established in the world, the pyramid was becoming stronger. We are living in a time where the pyramid is almost reaching the top. Throughout the era of the pyramid of evil, where they have taken their claws around the entire world and made the country do exactly what they wanted, controlled how they wanted, two lands have always kept themselves, meaning the masjid itself, clean from them. One is the Masjid of Makkah Mukarramah. One is the Masjid of Medina Munawara. They from the beginning would have said, keep all the other Masjids open in the world because nothing falls there. But there are two Masjids, shut them down. So that the world will not get this power which is going. There was efforts in the past to take the body of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's not that they still don't think about it. It's just that the devil knows that Almighty Allah is not going to allow it. So they never even went with that force. Few times they tried, it was total failure. Makkah, Mukarramah, nothing ever stopped them flying over one time, dropping one missile, 
and the house of Allah is taken into bits and pieces. But this masjid, they have never dared touching it. As though they understood, you'll come near, your entire thing will collapse. So just leave these two. The other two, however, Allah's Nabi also mentioned, that Jal never mentioned this. Either he never know about it, or he doesn't want to accept it. One is, Nabi also mentioned, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. He said, Dajjal will not be given the chance to come close to three masajid, four masajid. Those two. Third one is Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. The ability to come close, not being given to him, in there we find an indication and may Allah make it. Many a person thinks that it will be Isa salam perhaps who will take Al-Aqsa away. Or maybe the Mahdi who will take Al-Aqsa and return it to the Muslims. It doesn't have to be. Al-Aqsa can be taken away from this evil by somebody else of this Ummah also. Both are possible. What we do understand from this narration is, when the Jal will show himself, the land, the Masjid of Al-Aqsa will not be hosting him. Not be hosting him means at that time his agents will not be in Al-Aqsa. So either in the era of the Mahdi they will get kicked out. Or even before that era they might get kicked out. If they get kicked out before that era we get more happy also. That it could be in the near future also. Nothing is impossible. It doesn't have to be on the hands of the Mahdi that Al-Aqsa is taken back. But we do know when the Jal will show himself. Al-Aqsa will be such he will not be allowed to get close to it. So it means his people at that time will have no power over Al-Aqsa. That is Al-Aqsa. And amazing this city is, many a person who visited and he saw the Jews would wonder that so amazing this masjid. They got all the weapons, but they still have never taken the masjid. Who's stopping them? There is a certain force that we cannot see. And that force, as it has kept them out, inshallah, will keep them out till the end. Masjid al-Aqsa, how long it will remain in the hands of enemies? Again, this here is a possibility. It is something of indication. It is called iktishaf. It is called like something a person says, I feel, I saw indications. There's no guarantee, but there's hope. Masjid al-Aqsa's history throughout, whether it was Suleiman al-Islam's Masjid al-Aqsa, it was destroyed by a man called Bukhta Nasr. He was a very great tyrant. He had established an empire of evil. The empire of Babylon was his. He had a rule which people said it's no one will ever bring down. Almighty Allah created an individual who we today call Zul Qarnayn. He went into the lands of Bukhta Nasr. Bukhta Nasr had died by that time. It was his son in charge. And he destroyed this empire. Masjid al-Aqsa, when Allah Taala describes it in Quran, Bukhta Nasr had destroyed it. He had brought it to the ground. There was no Aqsa left. There was no scholar. There was no Torah. A Nabi passes by and he looks at the land and he says, Where will Allah ever give life back to this land? Meaning it's finished. And Almighty Allah then says to him, Die. So he passes away on that spot. And Quran speaks about it. One hundred years later he was told, Stand up. And when he stood up, he saw Masjid al-Aqsa has been rebuilt. Then under that they write that the beginning of the revolution took place after 70 years. But he was still in his state of death. 70 years they were brought back, then they started putting up buildings, then they started teaching. When this Nabi's eyes opened, he saw Al-Aqsa, not the old Aqsa, that was built by Suleiman and the jinn, but at least a nice Aqsa. 
He saw people learning the Torah. He saw people reading there, praying. He was amazed that I was dreaming. Then he looked at his animal. He looked at his food. He understood it's not a dream this year. That I was dead. So many years have passed. He was so not so many hundred years. But in that day, right there, that Al-Aqsa, it never stay in the hands of evil or was not dead for more than a hundred years. That's a very great hope. Then the Crusades took over Al-Aqsa. When they took over it, at that time no one ever thought Al-Aqsa will become Muslim land again. There again Al-Aqsa never stay in the hands of evil for hundred years. After one, about 90 years, 91 years, Salahuddin al-Ayyubi took it. And the 70 year was again the period where the revolution started. Before 70 years, no one even thought anything's going to happen. So 70 years, he started fighting with the Christians, pushing them back, and it carried on, carried on, and then he got it. Revolution started after 70, and the victory was after 90. Again, Al-Aqsa never stayed. We can also have hope. We don't know when this thing started, but if you even take the date of 1948, and then you say that from 1948 till now, so you got for first 40 years, 1948 to 1988 will be 40 years. Because remember the people when they went around in the valley of nowhere, you need one generation for 40 years to go nowhere. So for 40 years there was a generation going nowhere. And if you look at Gaza itself, Gaza is like nowhere. They were sealed off completely also. They could go nowhere. How those people in the past just walked nowhere. The people of this land also. It's a land going nowhere. You got water on one side and you blocked all the other sides. You got this border, you got that border. You can't go. They went nowhere for 40 years. So 1948, if you say started, it could have started long before, but let's say 1946. If you take 1946, and that's like a high year to take, then you say put 40 years to say that one generation of 40 years going nowhere. So 1946 will bring you to 1986. Then from 1986 you will say that first 40 years is finished and now starts the second era. Where like how you would have Yushal Islam and he telling the people, the new generation youngsters, that you have to change your life, you have to start getting ready to fight, you have to stand up to the people. So a new generation when it starts, one year, two year, three year, a person reaches his Kamal of understanding and power at the age of 40. So you need that the generation is ready after another 40 years, 35, 30, 40 years. So if you give your second 40 years from 1988, then you'll come to 1996, and then 2006, 2016, 2026. So 2026 is not far. So 2026 you can expect a new generation is ready, right? They are already the fighters. And those fighters to do something miraculous, it's supposed to happen. So what happened in the last few days where the people are saying that did Israel know about it, never know about it, both are possible. First one is possible because the world has seen many examples of this year where things were staged. But it seems many people think the other one is not possible. Because they always saw Gaza as the people of the first 40 years. And they always saw Israel as the people of Amalika. That nation which was known one man will take down ten, take down a hundred. And when you saw that there, that one sentence was must be, Almighty Allah said, I just need you to go and my help will come with you. Go forward. So because some people believe that it's impossible without the Mahdi, there is that feeling amongst people that no one can bring down this power. But in history, Allah has always shown when His command comes, then miracles are created. Miracles are created. So both are possible and we always have hope for the better one. We always have hope for the better one. So to give your du'as, to give your attention, 
And to be ready to see, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi said, Almighty Allah announces, Ana inda zanni abdi bi, I treat my servant as he thinks of me. When you are too negative, nothing can happen. We are meant to be slaves. You're going to be Firaun's Bani Israel. And when you yourself understand, I'm not meant to be a slave. I am the slave of Allah and the whole world is served, created for the slaves of Almighty Allah. Allah will give the virasat of earth to whoever He wishes. He gave it to Bani Israel once upon a time. Why will He not give it to the people of this ummah? So coming to Gaza now, the point we wanted to mention of Qari Muhammad Tayyab Sahib. He spoke about Misr and he told them, why are you so important? So he was speaking about Mount Tur. So this is the interesting part now. The fourth place where Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, the Jal will not come close to. He said he will not come close to the Masjid of Tur. The Masjid of Mount Tur. So he mentioned three which are the normal three. And those three enjoy a unique tajalli waterfall of Almighty Allah. Mount Tur, however, is something that's not ever mentioned, but it's mentioned for Dajjal. That he will not come close to this masjid. Nabi Islam mentioned when Isa will be. In the surge of the Yajuj Majuj, he says the Muslims will find protection at the masjid of Tur. There again Mount Tur became. This is the place of protection. So the first question is, where is the Tur? وَالتِّينِ وَالزَّيْتُونِ وَتُورِ سِينِينَ وَهَذَا الْبَلَدِ الْأَمِينَ Qari Tayyab Sahib wanted to explain that in his understanding which place is being referred to here as Tur. So I will explain this here in a little broader manner. That Tur is not one mountain. The meaning of Tur according to the scholars, Qari Tayyab Sahib would quote most likely or somebody else would quote Qatada, Ikrama, Mujahid. They would write, one is, if you look at a map today and you say, where is Tur or Mount Tur? In your map, you're going to see Mount Tur in the wrong place. So that is why this is mentioned. Don't look at Mount Tur in our maps. Our maps today show many things that are wrong. One thing is Mount Tur. That Mount Tur which is there, that's not Mount Tur at all. And even the Christians today are writing that so many times in my life I went to visit Mount Tur. And when I reach there, I'm wondering, how did Musa manage to reach here? That this is too far from his journey. So when Christians themselves are writing, that Mount Tur, which is written in today's maps, that is what, if you know the name called Constantine. Constantinople was named after Constantine. Constantine is the first European emperor who accepted Christianity. But he never accepted Christianity with ikhlas. He accepted Christianity while being a fire worshipper. So he became a Christian to spoil Christianity. He and his mother were Satanists. His mother's name is Halina. She was Shaitan and he was the baby of Shaitan. She was the one who said, this is Mount Tur. She. She was the one who said that there is no greatness in Al-Aqsa. The greatness is outside Al-Aqsa. So if ever you get a chance to visit Al-Aqsa, you see outside, there's something called of the Holy Safalcha. She was the one who says, that's where Allah puts His special attention, not here. She did a lot of things. So she wrote Mount Tur here, and whoever visited it wasted their money. So this is not Mount Tur. Musa Islam never went where they show today. So where is Mount Tur? So the scholars write, Tur is ismun likulli jabal. The word Tur means a mountain. Some have said a mountain which is fertile. 
on which you will see something growing. Ture Sinin, Sinin means the blessed mountain. How does a mountain become blessed? A mountain becomes blessed when Almighty Allah's attention falls on a mountain. So which mountain would be blessed? Wherever Musa salam conversed with Almighty Allah. So Musa salam in his life would be at different places where Almighty Allah would now command him that move to the mountains so that you can speak to me. As he would move in the mountains of that area and that could be in different places. Musa salam's first conversation of Almighty Allah would take place when he left Madian. And that's why we drew that map for you at the beginning. When he left Madian and he's going upwards so that he can reach the top of Aqaba. On that journey, Musa salam's first conversation would take place. That place would become the first Tur Sinin, or what we want to call Mount Tur. Up till today, the Arabs of that area call it Jabal Musa, the Mount of Musa. It's by that mountain that the city of Neom is being built. So you can understand that if we don't know, there are certain people who do know where it is. That area was for many years from the time when Saudi Arabia was established. From that time around that area there was fences put up. People who took pictures in that era found soldiers taking away their cameras and telling them you're not allowed to take pictures. So for them it was a very funny thing to take a picture of a mountain. But the only reason they reached there to take a picture of it was that group of Christians were making a journey to try to see where Musa would have reached when he ran away from, Musa, from Fir'aun. And when they reached here, they found this thing is closed up. So for many, many, many years, this area remained closed. And in recent times, this area has been designated as the building of Neom. So it means some forces in the world understand something once upon a time happened. Allah spoke in this area. And in this area, they now want a lot of evil to take place. So that is the city of Neom. Musa salam then would carry on on his journey going to Egypt as we mentioned. So you create a line. This line today is called as, what they will mention it, the Sinai Peninsula. The Sinai Peninsula will be mountains, mountains, mountains. At every place where Musa salam would converse with Almighty Allah, that would get the blessed mountain. So there would be a mountain maybe somewhere in Egypt, another place in Egypt, and there would many on that side. That is why some scholars even mention it so clearly. They would say that Tur is Mamdudun, stretched all the way from Misr right till Ayla. Ayla means what we speak of, the Gulf of Aqaba. They would mention it very clearly. We're not worried of that. From the conversation of Musa salam, there is one conversation that Almighty Allah highlights in Quran. Where Musa salam on a certain occasion asked to see Almighty Allah. Arini anzur ilayk. I want to see you, O oh my Allah. Qala lan tarani. Musa salam was told, you will never be able to see me in this world. Walakin unzur ilal jabal. So now Musa salam is standing on a blessed mountain because he's speaking with Allah. That mountain is blessed. But now he's told, look in front of you at another mountain. Ilal jabal. If that mountain can keep its power, I will put my focus on that mountain. 
If that mountain can manage, فَسَوْفَتَرَانِي Then soon you will be able to see me. Meaning, either it can mean that I will show so much of brilliance of the mountain, you will see me. Or it means that let's see if the mountain can manage. If the mountain can manage, then we will see if man can manage. But if the mountain can't manage, they don't even think of asking to see Allah in this world. And then Allah Taala focuses on this mountain. Whatever Allah focused. فَإِنِ اسْتَقَرَّ مَكَانَهُ فَسَوْفَ تَرَانِي فَلَمَّا تَجَلَّى رَبُّهُ لِلْجَبَلِ When Almighty Allah made this focus, tajalli on the mountain, جَعَلَهُ دَكَّى Then this whole mountain crumbles. Musa alayhi salatu wasalam falls unconscious. In narration they write that Jibreel alayhi salam held him, otherwise he was like a bomb that fell and he was thrown back. Jibreel alayhi salam held him. فَلَمَّا أَفَاقَ When Musa alayhi salam gained his conscience, the first thing he said, Subhanak, Allah, you are pure. Pure means that this world is not the place to say, I want to see you. You are too pure to come in this world. And then he said, تُبْتُ إِلَيْكَ I ask you that I seek your protection. From what? I will never ever come close to this question again. Meaning, I'll never venture in this direction. I'm not going to ever ask you for something which is against your shan. So that happened. Qari Muhammad Tayyab sahab rahimullah says, that tajalli which was a once of tajalli. He says, if you want to give it a name, you will call it the tajalli, the focus of difa. Difa means defense. Mana. To push someone away from something. They don't ever ask this question again. Look what will happen. He said, because of it, the area which this thing fell on, the area and the people of the area were going to now be blessed with a certain ability to defend themselves. Now what an area that had to be. Now we want to know like, which is that area. So Qari Muhammad Tayyab Sahib feels, and this is my inclination also, especially because it comes in the narrations in the books. Imam Tabari narrates, that when Allah put his focus on this mountain, Sahal Jabal Fil Ardi, the mountain went into the earth. What you'll say, like it disappeared into the earth. But then Hatta Waka fil Bahri. And then it went into the ocean. And it went with the waters. Or it's going with the waters. So you're looking for a mountain which is no longer a mountain. And you're looking behind that mountain for water. If you go look at what is called the Gaza Strip, then you might find a land like that. That nothing and gone. And it would have been the best place for him to be told, look there, because when it falls there behind that, there's nothing to destroy. Otherwise the people on the other side would also fall. So it's a unique place where you need an ocean behind and the mountain becomes nothing. He says, Musa salam would be standing... And the area in front of him where it would fall, according to Qari Muhammad Tayyab Sahib, is Gaza. And he says, that is why Allah Taala blessed the people of that land, whoever stayed in that land and drank from this. They were blessed with an ability to defend themselves in the most unique of manners. In the past they also managed it. As we mentioned, Isa salam will go to Mount Tur again, and most likely it will be the same place. Dajjal will never come close. So if this is the stur that we are speaking about, that the jal will not come close to Al-Aqsa, which means before he shows himself, his agency of 
power in Al-Aqsa will no longer be there. Whether Israel will still be there, Israel can still be. But Israel controlling and having power over Al-Aqsa, you will stay in your place. Or there might be no Israel also. Allah's Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, when Dajjal will come, 70,000 Yahudi, this is a very unique narration, and this narration explains many things, but it's something you have to understand, you have to focus on, you have to accept it. There is something called Iran. Iran and Iraq, in the past, it was called Iraq. There was no Iran and Iraq. This entire land was called Iraq. And in the land of Iraq, there is a town called Asfahan. Nowadays we call it, in that time it was called Asbahan, Arabic. We call it Asfahan. In Asfahan, there is a place called Yehudiya. Yehudiya today means the city of the Jew, Yehudiya. This narration that speaks about Yehud now, the scholars say it's possible it means Yehud, which means Jew, or it means the word is Yehuda. Yehuda will mean a city called Yehud. And today we do have that city. So whether it's the city called Yehud or the word Yehud just means Yehud, Jew. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, يَتَّبِعُ الدَّجَّالَ مِنْ يَهُودَ أَسْبَحَانِ From the Yehud of Asbahan, 70,000 will follow Dajjal. So again I explain. One it can mean from the Jews of Asfahan. Or it can mean from the city of Yehuda. Which you will find in Asfahan. And we are finding that city today. And that city amazing is filled with Jews. Filled with Jews. So whether it will be Jews who will be following our people from that city of Yehuda. 70,000. In the Arabic language 70,000 is not yet stuck to 70,000. 70,000 means numbers you cannot imagine. Very huge numbers will follow the Jal. And he even explained the shawl that they will be wearing. And amazing, the Yehud of that area, they wear the shawl also. The Tayalisa. But what point I want to explain to you is, that when the Jal will show himself, for Allah's Nabi says, from that land, so many will follow him. 70,000, which will mean like hundreds of thousands. But wouldn't it be easier to say, and from Al-Aqsa itself, hundreds of thousands will also follow him. Because Israel definitely got much more than 70,000 followers of him. Mentioning that the big number will come from there, we have a hope in it, there's an indication, there will not be a big number on the other side. So with that we have a hope that even Israel itself can melt. And they can tuck up little bit and they can say, you know, let's go look somewhere else. We don't know what the future is, but we are believers who have hope. We don't sit back and say, we're waiting for the Mahdi like the Bani Israel said to Musa salam. You and your Allah go fight when you'll win the war, tell us. Many of us, we are waiting that the Mahdi will come. He'll press three buttons, send three missiles, one knock America, one knock here. Then everything will open and we'll come and say, any slave girls. That's not going to work. As the Yehud had that, they were told, you are not meant to be in this land. You can go around for another 40 years. A nation has to be created whose mind is the mind of kings. That we are not slaves and we do not have awe for others. We are the one who drink from the juice of Al-Aqsa. So we are the people of awe. Others who look at us will see a man with a turban, will see a man of strength. A child will not look at a non-Muslim and say, look at him. 
Look how powerful he is. Look at the weapons he got. Your child has to be in the future the boy. If he wears weapons, everyone is scared. If he got no weapon, they still all scared. There has to be physical power. There has to be spiritual power, mental power. A new generation is being made. They were once 40 years went, and they went in the valley of nowhere. Our generation 40 years ago, also many of them had this attitude that we are meant to be slaves. We are slaves to a system. We are followers. We wear their clothing. We follow their style. We speak their language. Alhamdulillah, we are now seeing in the world a change where people are questioning. People are standing up. People are saying, give us our rights. People are saying, this is our masjid. How dare you come? Things are changing. A new generation is being formed. Maybe Allah ta'ala will allow our children to be that. That then they will stand, they will fear none. And they will say, we are the people who the world must be in awe of. We are not in awe of anyone. We drink from the juice of Al-Aqsa. We are the lovers of Allah, but we also drink from the juice of Al-Aqsa. Because of which that shan of Al-Aqsa, that we are not scared of anything, must also be within every one of us. May Allah Tabarakullah make it. So if someone says, so what's going to happen in the next few days? So that part we are not commenting on. We do not know when the decision of Allah will come. It is possible it can come so suddenly like what happened. But remember, war is not a five-day story. War pulls. It can pull for five years, it can pull for ten years. Afghanistan's war pulled for twenty years. People who were too eager at the beginning to see results, when they saw the Taliban disappearing, they thought they gone, defeated. But defeat doesn't, disappearing doesn't mean defeat. Disappearing means a new type of war has started that we are going to milk you. We are going to weaken you until you can't manage anymore and you are going to run. So don't be so impatient that every day you saying, what's the news, what's the news? If this is meant to be a war, to bring the collapse of what is called the most powerful military in the world, and the one that's enjoying the wealth of the world, it is not going to happen in five days. This could be a very long, you wonder can those people survive so long? That group that managed to survive already from 1940s. And today they are looking even more stronger. You'll have to go and ask them. Said, we got vitamins, we got pharmacies, we got hospitals, we got everything. Every house you go inside, they say, very sick. You open the cabinet, you see tablets for Africa. They got herbal, they got western, they got it all. And everyone is sick. And you go ask that man, who gives you medicine? If COVID had to any, kill anyone, it would have killed all of them like because I don't think anyone afforded a mask in that place. And if they were told, you must make social distancing, there's no place for them to make social. They love squashed. I remember at one time when Israel was bombing that land, bombing it, the bombing of Israel has happened many times. All of us saw. And they always went also, they said, we're going on the offensive. They said it before. And they went on the land. And every time they came running out. And no one would understand. America last man would say, stop, stop the war. Cease fire. They'll only say ceasefire when the babies will start crying. They came out many times before. But that one time when they came out, I remember one man from that land he was visiting. So he said a nice thing. He said at the time when those bombs were falling, in that few weeks, so many children were born in Gaza. Give me a number. He says normally when a bomb falls, a woman who got a child has a miscarriage. He says babies were being born during the time where bombs were falling. This land is a different land. So do not use your mind and try to understand that how is this thing happening, now they are going to go. Allah when He decides to look after something, it is the city of Difa protection, 
In that Qadi Tayyab Sabrahimullah mentioned that it is the land of Gaza that the Muslim keeps their hopes. And he said this. He says, because this land has been blessed as the protection for Al-Aqsa. If this land falls, then there is no protection from the armies of evil from Masjid Al-Aqsa. As long as this land remains the defensive force, the enemies will not think of coming closer. Allah make it as they have defended Al-Aqsa up till now with their lives. And now we are seeing that what a generation is being born. We also have hope that Al-Aqsa has stayed in the hands of evil now for quite a long time. And it doesn't stay more than a hundred years. We're waiting that a while before the hundred. You don't have to wait for hundred and then come right. So they make it easy on us. Ninety, eighty, eighty-five. The quicker you cut it, the better. So whether we are at the beginning of a new thing, have hope. Allah Tabarukullah Allah is the one that creates miracles. At the ending of this book I wrote conclusion. The secrets of the holy lands are indeed many. In this book a mere glimpse towards the spiritual secrets has been provided. Understanding the full reality of the wonders of these blessed lands is indeed beyond our capacity. Nor is benefiting from these lands based upon understanding its hidden wonders. Even if you don't know of it, you're still going to benefit. Inshallah, whoever shall journey to these lands, seeking solely the pleasure of Almighty Allah, he shall not return, except that he too gets drenched from the waterfalls of Almighty Allah's tajalli. Yes, at times, a brief understanding of a matter does increase one's enjoyment. Keeping this in mind, this book has been compiled. This was, the final compilation was done in 2020. But Alhamdulillah, Allah Park has brought a time for it to be read today. May Allah Tabarakallah make it that our hopes in Almighty Allah is never dashed. Allah says, how you think of me, I will show you the results. We have great hope in Almighty Allah that the beginning of the standing of the flags of Islam has started. And we will continue living with this hope. And we will continue preparing our minds and our bodies physically and spiritually. That we are not slaves of a system. We are the Ummati of Rasulullah meant as dais to invite the whole world to the greatness of Islam. Allah Taala allow us to understand our role to live up to this.